Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Spirituality and Mindfulness. I'm Silas Day, the host of the channel, and today we'll be talking to Shinshu Roberts about her, her new book, Being Time, A Practitioner's Guide to Dogen's Shobogenzo. It, it covers and dives into a poem written by Zen master Dogen called Uji in his larger work, Shobogenzo. Shinshu offers a vast and thorough explanation of the text, which could help and help you go much deeper into the practice of now, at least for the time being. Shinshu Roberts is the Dharma heir of Sojin Mel Waitsman, abbot of Berkeley Zen Center, and is in the lineage of Shenru Suzuki Roshi. She received her priest training at the San Francisco Zen Center and from the North American branch of the Japanese Soto School. She has been appointed international Dharma teacher by the Japanese Soto Administration. Shinshu, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I wonder if you could begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, your influences, how you got to this point, just, I don't know, your general bio. Well, you know, I'm, I'm of an age where uh, I grew up, I was a, in my 20s in the 1970s, so I was really influenced by Indian Buddhism, Be Here Now, uh, Baba Ram Das, that whole movement which got me interested in spirituality in general. And I think like all of us who come to practice, uh, we're suffering in some way. We're looking for answers. And so uh, I kind of did my own practice for a long time. And then in my 30s, I went moved to San Francisco, and then I went to San Francisco Zen Center. And as soon as I got there, I kind of knew that was a place for me to be. And so I uh, stayed there for 17 years. And uh, after first arriving, I was there for a couple of years and got ordained uh, in 1988 and went to Tassajara, which is San Francisco Zen Center's monastic training center in the mountains uh, of Carmel Valley. And uh, I went there and trained and then came back to what we call city center in San Francisco and uh, held various jobs, including uh, being part of the uh, the corporate office officer structure. And, and basically that was uh, my path. Wow. And then after that... Uh, we moved to Santa Cruz. I have a, a part, my partner and my wife, uh, Daijaku Kinst, is also a priest. And uh, I guess about 10 years ago, we moved to uh, Santa Cruz and opened our own Zen Center. That's really incredible. Um, if you could summarize how your training has affected you in a few lines, what would you say? Like all of that intense meditation and deep inner practice? How, how has that led to the person that you are today? Well, I think uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned about practicing Soto Zen Buddhism and studying Dogen Zenji is that our practice happens in our everyday life. So the formal practices that we do are really important, and they ground us and help us understand how to do the practice, but essentially what we're being asked to do is to 
practice uh, skillful means and compassion when we go to the grocery store, when we drive our car, interact with other people. That's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And uh, that's, as a teacher, that's where I like to put my emphasis. So what led you to start to work on Uji or, or go into this deep contemplation of what is considered to be one of the most complex documents in the Soto tradition, in my understanding? What, what inspired you to work with Uji? Well, about 10 years ago, um, a student came to me and asked me if I would start teaching. Uh, well, at the time, what they asked me to teach was uh, Shanti Davis' Guide to the Bodhisattva Way, which we studied for a while. And then, because we're Soto Zen practitioners, we switched over to studying uh, fast schools of Dogen. And the first one we studied was Uji. And then we went and studied Busho and then returned to Uji. And at that point, it seemed like um, it might be a good thing to write a book. And they encouraged me to do that and said that they really wished that I would write my teachings down. So that was that was what started me off on thinking about writing a book about uh, Dogen. I just love Dogen's teachings. I feel like it's really applicable to our everyday lives. I feel like even though he's extremely difficult to enter into, to kind of basically understand, because he was a... Uh, I think because he was trying to describe something that's very difficult to describe using words and because he was also a poet and probably also because he was, uh, you know, alive in the 13th century. So (laughs) a long time ago. Medieval Japanese is a little hard to bring into English. (laughs) That's right. And uh, I think the other thing is that I think many of us have been inspired over the years of the teachings of the Japanese uh, who came, the Japanese priests who came and started Zen centers in the United States, like uh, Suzuki Roshi and uh, Katagiri Roshi and Maizumi Roshi, uh, who came and, and started teaching uh, Dharma talks about, about Dogen. So uh, that was my kind of my inspiration for wanting to, to go deeper and to find out about exactly what Dogen was about. And uh, also, I'm, I have an intellectual bend, so... Uh, I spent a lot of time investigating Dogen by reading scholarly uh, books and articles about Dogen that's helped me a lot to kind of understand basically what what he's about and what he was trying to say. Hmm. That's incredible uh, that you get to work with such a wonderful, you know, group of people and such a devote study uh, of a document like this. Um Jumping right into it, what do you think Uji is? Uji is being time, is the first chapter of your book. I feel like a lot of people, um, sorry, I feel like a lot of people, if this was the first book that they were to pick up about Dogen or just in the Sotozen realm, might be a little confused at first by this. But I think the way that you portray it is, is very clear, concise, and thorough, as with the rest of the book. And, and I'd love to hear you just talk about the book a little, just kind of working through it. Well, the thing that became apparent to me uh, as I was studying Uji is that, you know, Dogen Zenji and Uji in particular, because it's about being in time, kind of um, 
gets us all excited about it from a Western philosophical point of view. And Dogen's intention, at least I don't think that his intention was to address it from that point of view. He was interested in how we relate to our experience of being a person in this world and our experience of time and how, uh, and how that informed our practice. He was, pri- he was interested in teaching us how to practice Buddhism and how to alleviate suffering and how to uh, be bodhisattvas. And so um, Uji, once you kind of get past trying to figure out what it means, Uji is a, a path statement about how we go from or how we look at the nature of our experience and how that deepens our spiritual life. And so Uji starts out with uh, a series of verses. Uh, the first few of them were written by Weishan, and then Dogen seems to have added a couple at that. And then he starts out with these verses, which are kind of like a, uh, a fully expressed, uh, awakened understanding of the nature of being in time as it as it pertains to the specificity of our particular moment that we're experiencing right now. And then what Dogen does is he goes through and he says, you know, you really don't get uh, what being time is, and you really don't ask the right questions about being time. Because what he's saying is that if we write, ask the right questions about our life and, and look at our life in a certain way, that will lead us to a kind of awakening about the nature of reality. And so then he goes through... In, in Uji, and he talks about various ways that we ought to be understanding the nature of being time, ways that we don't understand the nature of being time. And then at the very end, he goes back to Weishan, but this time he's talking about Weishan when Weishan was a student. And he uses uh, Weishan's initial question about the nature of reality and builds on that. And uh, so the very last part of Uji, which is a series of koans, is Dogen's way of saying this is how you actually apply this to your uh, life, which go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yes. So I was just going to say, and and that's kind of hard for us because koans are really difficult to penetrate. But essentially, what Dogen's saying at the end is he's saying if you could fully engage your life with everything that's going on around you, so that's being inclusive of other people, inclusive of the totality of your situation. So if you're out driving your car. You have to be uh, aware of what everybody else is doing. We have to stop at stop signs and uh, we have to put on our blinker. And all of this is a way of acknowledging the fact that we are in this together, that we're all doing this together, and that our responses are predicated upon what everybody else is doing and what we're doing. And uh, so that, I think, is what Dogen is saying at the end of Uji. I I really think, and I I agree with you entirely, that when this is presented to Westerners, it really does pique our interest philosophically because it allows us to uh, try and frame our perspective of something in a more complex way when in fact the entire teaching of it is to try and view, you know, all arisen phenomena or all uh, emotions, feelings, conceptions, consciousnesses in a much more general way. Um, I love how you continue to go back over and over again um, with the book to this concept of being time, to just exactly what it is and how we can attempt to embody it in our practice. As a practitioner of Soto Zen, how, what tip would you give to someone if they picked up your book and said, you know, I want to 
start a thorough practice of being time? Well, what would you say to them? Well, the first thing I would say to them, which is what I would say to everyone who wants to do any kind of spiritual practice, is that you need to do it in community. So it's important to uh, find a Zen center or find a church or whatever it is. But in this particular case, we're talking about Soto Zen, so that you find a group of people who are practicing Soto Zen together. Because this is true of what Dogen's saying in Uji, is that we are like in a vast mandala, mandala of life in which we are all interconnected, all interpenetrating, not just us as people, but also all things, all situations, all beings have the simultaneity of arising together and making the world that we're all making the world together. So to do spiritual practice, it's important to actually engage with others. And I think that it's sometimes it's a we get caught and think that we can kind of go off by ourselves and do this by ourselves. So it's really important. That to me is the first thing about practicing is that we acknowledge the fact that we are in this uh, interconnected relationship with other people and things and situations. And again, that's, uh, that's a core teaching of Dogen, uh, this kind of simultaneity of the arising of everything together, making the world and this, Activity of making the world together is a very altruistic activity in which we are uh, asked to be aware of Dog, uh, others. Dogen says in Genjo Kowon, he says, to carry the self forward is delusion. So, And to allow myriad things to come forth and meet you is realization. So this carrying the self forward, and often sometimes that's called, and another way of talking about it is the practice of no self, but this carrying the self forward is this way in which we try to control and push and and uh, make sure that, that things go the way we want them to go and that we're not aware of the totality of our situation. So then Dogen says to allow myriad things to come forth, so to allow the rest of the influences in your life and the people in your life and the situations in your life to come forward and meet with you in a collab- collaborative relationship, that's where... Uh, realization happens. That's where we discover enlightenment. But Dogen also says that, you know, our mistakes are all part of this, that we're not trying to be perfect. We're not trying to figure out a way to uh, never have any problems, but that actually our problems are the way that we find realization, because it's that kind of rub that happens that, that allows us to investigate the nature of our experience. Since you'd be working with the community uh, with this book, you know, and, and that's one of the main things that Dogen teaches is that, you know, uh, interdependence of all things. What is the, you know, you, you say here things just as they are or, or times glory, glorious golden radiance or present doubt. The, these things are foreign concepts to a lot of us. Uh, how can I use your book and Dogen's Uji to uh, recognize some of the more, what I would consider and what some people would consider complex uh, subjects to approach, you know, instead of feeling intimidated by these new words or these new concepts, how can I approach it in my practice with that community or with Dogen to best understand being time? Let me tell you why uh, I wrote the book the way I wrote it, and maybe that would help. The, the, the way I tried to write the book is I, I write, wrote the book so that the first thing that I do, so the book is broken down so that 
each paragraph in Uji is uh, a chapter of the book. So what I tried to do is I tried to go through and said, first of all, this is what Dogen was, my understanding of what Dogen was trying to say in this particular paragraph, to unpack the paragraph just in a kind of intellectual way so people understand what it is that they're reading in the first place. And then after I do that, and there, there are footnotes and various things, and also I went back and, and found other, deliberately found other places where Dogen talks about this particular thing, that whatever that chapter is about, tried to find other quotes to explain it. So in that case, you know, I'm trying to, for other Soto Zen practitioners saying, this is how to study Dogen. This is how to look at Dogen and to realize that he explains things. And then after I do that, what I do is, what I try to do in every chapter is to give an everyday example of modern life or some kind of example of how it is that a person practices with this uh, particular part of the text. So I think what I'm hoping to do there is that after you understand what it's about, and then you see what the practice is, that it will uh, spark off in the reader a desire to investigate their own life using the teaching that Dogen has given. For example, the radiance of your day, which you mentioned in this question. So Dogen starts out, he says, the 20, he says the 12 hours of your day, but actually in the text, but in uh, what that means is 24 hours of the day, because in Chinese and Japanese, uh, timekeeping there. I think every two hours would be like one hour for us. So anyway, the 24 hours of your day has golden radiance. Everything is radiant. Everything has the nature of Buddha. The nature of Buddha is just that everything is in inter an interconnected relationship with everything else. And that's, as I said earlier, is a kind of altruistic relationship because the whole world is helping the whole world make and and come forward and be this world. Like we couldn't exist without the activity of say, plants making oxygen. So there's this way in which everything is uh, working with everything else in order to support life. And so in that way, that's a kind of radiance. It's a kind of way in which we can look at the, this altruistic behavior, this bodhisattva act of the whole world, and that there's a kind of glow to that. and. So if we take that teaching and we say, well, how is it in my life that that's actually true? How is it that I can see that other things in my life have this radiance and this altruistic nature, including, and this is the hard practice, including people we don't like, including situations that are difficult for us. So that's where that, that uh, problem presents itself in which we it becomes a koan for us. So in that part of the book where he talks about the 24 hours of your day are radiant, then you say to yourself, well, how could that be? How can it be that somebody that I can't stand at work is a radiant light? And then we start to investigate that if we're willing to be open to that. And that investigation is going to shift and change the way we see our world. And Dogen, I think, provides a way in which we can actually apply that teaching. So with that and the application of the teaching, what is it, or how does Dogen or you put it, um, what is the present passing of time that I may think that I'm experiencing? Is it the reality of time passing, or is it sort of an illusion that I perceive of my own time passing? Well, I think, I think 
Dogen's main point is he talks about a moment or a situation as a dharma. He calls it a dharma position. So this is a is this is a time or point in time in which the dharma is presencing, which means that would be everything, and that that in that moment of time, in that moment of particularity, it holds all being time throughout time and space in the context of that particular moment. But at the same time, that particular moment is completely independent so that we are able to enter into that moment and we have this freedom to decide how we're going to function within that moment. And yet simultaneously, it's also affected by all being time and all moments, uh, but we're not trapped by that. So it's kind of a difficult concept to get your head around because it's, it's uh, more like a hologram. And we tend to think about time as sequential. Uh, an example would be given uh, like, you know, being in a boat, going down a river, the past is behind us, the future is in front of us. But Dokken's positing that actually the past and the present and the future are all simultaneously presencing. Uh, this is important from a spiritual point of view because if you are already in some aspect real a realized being because you are of and part of the totality of the world, which Dogen calls Buddha nature, you have the nature of a Buddha. The nature of the Buddha is that in that one can enact and understand in a skillful way how to respond to the reality that we're in this all in this together in this interconnected process of making the world. And so what happens is that if you understand time as being sequential, you uh, tend to think about your practice as delusion is something that you're trying to get rid of and that once you get rid of it, it's the past. Realization is something you're trying to get in the future and that you have to do certain things in order to attain that at some point in the future. And Dogen's saying, no, it's all right now in the present moment. In this present moment, you can make the decision to respond to this moment as it is right now. And it's not about some past illusion you're trying to get rid of, nor is it about some future realization you're trying to hold on to. Does that make sense? Yes, it's uh, really good. Um, so the... The practice that I had in the past and the practice that I had in the future is also the practice that I have at the present. They're, they're all my present practice. They were the present practice then, and they will be the present practice, yet they never stop being the present practice of experiencing this reality and this you know, uh, flow of moment after moment being time. Yeah, because actually when you think about it, the past and the present our memories that we have, our desires that we have, our ideas that we have, but the reality of our lives is it can only happen in the present moment. You know, I've, I've never actually had a part that way. That, that's really interesting that the memories are desires. Yeah, well, we're not, I mean, we just can't, we have, we remember things as the past, which may or may not be true. They certainly affect us, the, the ideas that we have about what's happened in the past, the experiences we've had. But if we're trapped in that, uh, that's a problem. And if we're trapped in some notion about the future, 
that's a problem. So the reality of it is, is that for us, the present moment is the only thing that's happening. So if we really experience that present moment, which is going to include the, these ideas we have from our past experience, and it's got to include the desires that we have for the what's our fears or whatever it might be about the future. So all those things are included in the present moment. But if we understand that this moment in and of itself is all there is, and that way it kind of frees us to be able to um, maybe uh, uh, not get caught in the past or the future. You, you know, you can represent all this to me and you can explain it to someone until you're blue in the face uh, in kind of a logical way. But in the practice, how do I get over the the doubt of that? How do I get over the doubt that I'm not doing it right or, you know, I'm not sitting correctly or I'm not breathing correctly? How does being... Well, how does Uji help us in our day-to-day practice of being within that moment of practice? I think what all kind of intellectual investigation does of whenever, because almost, you know, when it, when we look at a text, a Buddhist text or a spiritual text or any kind of information that we're trying to get, is we start out, at least I do, I start out and I say, well, what is this about? And kind of get an idea about what it is that I'm trying to do. So I have this uh, map, if you will, or directions about what it is that I'm up to. But ultimately, the map is not is not the actual terrain. You have to go down and walk the terrain. So you get this idea of what you're doing. And then in Soto Zen, we go and we sit Zazen and we go and we uh, uh, function in community and we go and we apply that to our everyday life. And it's that application of our understanding. And also, it's really important that we have a teacher because we have a teacher. We go to the teacher and we say, oh, you know, I think my heart, my zazen is horrible or, you know, I did this or I did that. And the teacher says, well, it's okay. You know, uh, some days you're going to think your zazen's horrible. Some days you're going to think your zazen's great. Just let it go and just do the zazen. So some days we think our life is great and some days we think our life is horrible or that we did terrible things. And, and we look at that and we say, yeah, okay, that was not my idea of what the practice is. So I'm going to do a better job next time, you know? So there's this way in which Uji is a map. Dogen's offering to us a kind of way of understanding the nature of our experience that's, uh, for me, as a practitioner, I love, you know, I think it's really right on. I think it's uh, very inspiring uh, to understand Dogen, but I still have to go on and do the practice. I have to take the information that I've gotten from him, let's say about, about uh, inter, you know, realizing that the world is this interconnected effort. I have to take that information and put it into my daily life. Like I said earlier, like when I'm driving my car, or when I'm, uh, you know, at the grocery store. So with, with my practice of being time, am I already experiencing that being time in this present moment, even if I don't see it or feel it? Um, yes. It's, this is the nature of reality itself. Uh, so whether we get it or not, it's still going on. But I, you know, the thing here is that as Buddhist practitioners, we have a responsibility to wake up to um, this 
truth about the world and that that waking up, hopefully that waking up will allow us to help alleviate our own suffering and the suffering of others through a kind of wise, compassionate response that is inclusive of the needs of the situation. And I think that that's true of all spiritual paths. Not Buddhism doesn't have a market on this, but we do have a certain way of talking about it. So as a Buddhist, this is the way I talk about it. Um, and I think that that's uh, what our activity is. And, and that's what Dogen's asking us to do. What exactly am I uh, penetrating into? Am I penetrating into anything? Or am I just coming to the realization of something that I was already experiencing? Oh, maybe I should say both. You know, the, uh, if we can, there's a saying in Huayen Buddhism, to know one thing is to know all things. So there's this way in which if we can actually understand the true nature of anything, uh, if we can uh, understand impermanence, if we can understand that things are interconnected, causal, in relationship, uh, if we can really see that, then we let go of uh, our attachment, our really, you know, clinging attachment to having things our own way, our clinging attachment to our notions of who we are in this world, and we're more open to being inclusive. Uh, you know, and if we could all do this in our current political situation, uh, it would make such a huge difference, right? If we could somehow manage to uh, actually meet each other and be able to uh, talk with each other uh, in a way in which we respect, everybody's respecting each other. We may disagree, but that that gives that kind of room and spaciousness to be able to relate to each other. And I think that's what we're being asked to do. So what is the uh, what what are the constraints that I'm removing from myself or my perception that allow me to uh, I guess you could say more fully experience time in its reality or the reality of the present moment after moment what what am I uh, I'm not getting rid of anything I'm I'm working with something but what is I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time framing this. Your chapter, uh, Nothing Remains, really intrigued me. And I, I'd just love for you to talk about that a little. Okay, well, let's see if I can remember what's in the chapter, Nothing Remains. I'm going to look it up here. Uh, why don't you tell me more about what intrigued you about it? Well, we represent ourselves, the, the way that I have always liked it put is that we're um, falling, right? Where we, we jumped off, when we're born, we jumped off the edge of a cliff. And we're falling, but next to us is a big rock and we're holding on to the rock or we're tethered to the rock, right? If I'm already falling, what, what am I doing in practice since I'm, I've already let go in a way, like uh, the present moment of reality is right at your feet. Um, enlightenment is at your feet, right? You, you just have to perceive it and understand it and uh, practice it. Um, my, what is it that you are removing in practice? Uh, are you removing the illusions of your perception? Or, you know, am I removing the illusion of my current perception of time for the actual perception of time? Or am I just off the beaten path so far with these questions? <laughs> uh, well, I think that, you know, uh, I think that your well, first of all, I think what Dogen's talking about is he's saying, Time and being are not separate from each other. They're exactly the same thing. 
So I, I think the reason that's important in Dogen is because if we get caught in time as being separate from our being, if we get caught in this notion of the past, present, and future being kind of in lockstep with each other, then we miss the fact that it's all happening right now in the present moment and they're not separate from each other. So he's asking us to, to, to wake up to that. Um, let me go to your question back here about the nothing remains. So I think that this is, you know, Dogen has this interesting language here where he says that um, uh, one, one does nothing but penetrate exhaustively entire time as entire being. There is nothing remaining left over because any dharma left over is a, such a leftover dharma, even the being time of a particular exhaustive penetration is the exhaustive penetration of a partial being time. So that just sounds like gobbledygook. <laughs> and I and I and that was kind of a running joke in in the class that we had. But what Dogen's trying to say here is that in this uh, use of this very kind of poetic language, is that we tend to judge our experience. And we look at it and we say, well, you know, that was only a half good thing, you know, or I only half live that moment or something along those lines. Or we, we do something and we, we say, well, that wasn't good enough. On another level, that, that moment has completely expressed itself in that moment. So there can't be any moment that's not completely expressed. There can't be any moment that we look back on and say, well, that was only half a moment or half a, half a practice or half an effort, because actually we're making the best effort that we can in any given moment, regardless of what we think about that moment. So that's kind of, kind of a, uh, it, what that does not mean is it doesn't mean that anything we do is skillful. It doesn't mean that we can do anything we want to do from a nihilistic point of view. It doesn't mean that nothing matters. It does not mean that there are no morals or ethics. But what it does is it forces us to look at our experience and acknowledge that in this moment, this moment of being time is fully expressing itself, regardless of what we think is going on. So, there's this way in which he's asking us to redefine the nature of, of how we're looking at our life. And this kind of goes back to this idea about the radiant light of your life and of all other beings as well, is this way in which we don't denigrate or dismiss our experience as not being good enough. Because that experience in and of itself is where we're going to find uh, where we're going to learn about the true nature of reality and also where we're going to wake up and realize that true nature can only happen in this specific moment, at this specific time, in these things that, that this, this um, point of uh, the, the meeting of all of reality in this particular moment. So he's saying there can't be a half one of those. So, so that's what that's about in that part. So if I'm a listener and I'm hearing this and I think to myself, you know, wow, I think that the way that she's approaching or that Dogen is approaching time and the nature of reality is really intriguing me and that I'd like to start practicing, the, practicing this, um, you know, how long would you say, like the chapter in your book, how long does enlightenment take? What would you say to the person if they looked at you and said, how long will it take me to understand this? 
or how long will it take me to kind of be able to grasp that fully, uh, what Dogen is saying and put it into practice? Well, I think I would say, don't worry about that. (laughs) I think I would say, you know, uh, just practice, just go and investigate the nature of your life. And if you're intrigued by Soto Zen, then investigate the nature of your life through Soto Zen practice at a Zen center with a teacher, with a community. In Buddhism, we say Buddha Dharma Sangha. So uh, one of the ways to talk about that is to, from a kind of relative point of view, is this way in which uh, we have the Buddha, uh, we have uh, the teachings of the Buddha, we have uh, the the Buddha as our own selves, as Buddha, as all beings, as Buddha. We have the Dharma, which is the teachings, and we have the Sangha, which is this it community that we're part of. And they all have to go together. Uh, and that's where we learn the practice. And, you know, it's a lifetime. And so it's not about getting something in particular. Because when we ask questions like that, usually we have some idea about what enlightenment is, some idea about uh, what we're going to get. But the practice itself is just responding in each moment uh, with our best effort uh, as we understand it and uh, to keep doing that over and over and over again. So, for example, in our meditation instruction, Shikantaza, just sitting, uh, we're not doing anything different at the beginning of practice than we were at the end of practice. And yet, of course, things happen and things change. Um, but really, it, Dogen calls this the dignified activity of a Buddha. So this dignified activity of the Buddha is to meet each moment uh, and to respond to each moment. Uh, with the, as, as he says, you know, you can only see as far as the eye of your practice can see. So we can only know what we can know and that we do our best within the context of that. And just keep trying to learn and keep trying to grow. So is that what Dogen means by, would that be the ultimate attainment of being time is to be able to work with each moment after moment as it comes up along with anything else that comes up with it? I think so. I mean, I think that's, that's uh, the, this way in which we respond to each moment as skillfully as we can. And, you know, even, uh, even in in the midst of realization, the realization itself can only be talked about as encountering each moment. It's not like you get enlightened and then you're just enlightened through all time and space and you know you never have any problems or you never make any mistakes or anything like that. It's this enlightenment is a way in which we're interacting. It is an interactive event. It's not a person being enlightened. It's a response. It's a response in this moment uh, that's appropriate to the moment uh, that, you know, I want to kind of go back and make sure that people understand that these kinds of responses and moments, when they're inclusive, then they are moral and ethical. And that's really important that people understand that this is very much grounded in, in ethics and morality because when we are inclusive of all beings, when we're inclusive of others, What's going to come out of that is an ethical response. So within that practice, you know, would you say that sitting down each and every day to 
be with the moment after moment is in itself satori or enlightenment is there a aha moment that i ever come to like a you know a, a big aha moment or is it just a you know, kind of sinking into quicksand as it just, it's a slowly day after day realization that each sitting is in itself an embodiment of what enlightenment already is. Well, maybe both. I think we all have aha moments about things and then we just have to let them go. You can't get caught in some idea about, uh, you know, having a, we all have these kind of moments in which we have a, a really heightened sense of reality, a kind of, if you will, if you want to call it Satori or something like that, or in, a deep insight about the nature of reality. But then, you know, these things pass and then we have to go shopping and deal with our partners and whatever it might be. So you can't hold on to that kind of thing. It's just this moment after this moment after this moment after this moment. And, and that's, that's why sitting, sitting is important. Doing meditation is because meditation, we, we just sit down and experience each moment. And in those, that moment, like in Sota Zen, we sit for 40 minutes. So in that 40 minutes, you might, you know, you might have moments of uh, exhalation and you might have moments of just uh, saying to yourself, well, my knees are killing me, you know? So there's a way in which, each moment, you know, presents uh, uh, an experience of reality, and then we meet that moment, and then the next moment arises, and the next moment arises. So it's this way of presencing yourself. What would you uh, advise if someone was having experiences in their meditations, like uh, hallucinations or great feelings or uh, just anything that seems out of the normal uh, perception of mind in their meditations. What advice would you give? Well, I think that's a tough question in some ways because it's uh, there's this way in which, uh, when those situations happen, you have to take into account the person and various things. But I suppose in general, I would say that I would want that person to engage in an activity that grounded them. So it might not be that that meditating was the best thing to be doing at that moment. It might be the best thing for them to do would be out and go gardening or or, uh, or do something with their hands. It might be that, you know, going to uh, therapy would be a good thing. So, you know, it really depends on the, the situation of that particular person. That's some incredible advice for that. I very much so like that point. Um, so is there anything more than just the everyday practice of, you know, being Buddha nature or being time, uh, anything beyond that? Or is, is the concept of thinking of it beyond that, you know, going too far or just confusing you further? Well, I guess I would ask you the question, is there, you know, is there anything beyond this life? You know, is there anything beyond each day and each moment that we live? And I think that Dogen's saying that no, it's not there. We're not doing anything beyond the moment. Everything is in the moment. So there's there. We're not trend, trying to transcend everyday life. Everyday life itself is this radiant light, as he says at the beginning of Uji. It's all happening uh, right now. You know, uh, as I'm sitting here in my office talking to you, uh, it's happening. Uh, you know driving our car, it's happening when we're at work, 
It's like this is where this is the the field of Buddhas. We don't have a field outside of that. There's not some place outside of that. You know, we live in this world, the the Buddha's world, the what's in Buddhism, the Saha world, this world of difficulties, if you will, and suffering, and also great joy. Um, we live in this world in which uh, uh, this is where it's at. A Duke, Dogen says in uh, in a different fascicle called Kuge, which is flowers in the sky. He says this world is like the blue lotus blooming in fire. So we are lotuses blooming in fire, and our world itself is this very interactive, uh, difficult, uh, amazing uh, field of Buddhas that that we function in. So so we're not trying to get away from our everyday life. We're trying to enter into our everyday life in a way that's really efficacious and, uh, and alleviates suffering for ourselves and others. Well, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, just, just the way that you put that makes me want to sit down and read the book again. <laughs> um, well, I've taken up a lot of your time, Shinshu, and uh, the kind of final question that I wanted to ask you is, are you working on another project? Are you... Uh, have you started work on another book or maybe a set of lectures or anything of that nature? Well, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, rewriting a draft of a book that, that I've uh, written about what it's like to be the head monk at Tassajara. Uh, it's called Shuso, which is the, the, when you uh, have been ordained for a while, you go and uh, take the position of head monk during a monastic practice period. So I've been uh, writing about that. So maybe, maybe that might be the next thing. Oh, wonderful. That sounds like a really interesting project that I'm sure a lot of people would want to read. Just as closing, this is Shinshu Roberts and her book, Being Time, A Practitioner's Guide to Dogen's Shobogenzo Uji, comes out on the 20th of March uh, from Wisdom Publications. And I'm sure you can pick it up on Amazon or at uh, any number of book outlets. Thank you, Shinshu, for coming on. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been great. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.